What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Shaping Your New Start Education podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Two, and we are in season two of the Shaping Your New Start Education podcast, and we are in episode two. So guess what, everybody? We've got an amazing content, but before we go even further... We'd love for you to please like and subscribe to the platforms that you're watching on, whether it be Facebook, whether it be YouTube, wherever it is, we'd love for you to subscribe to our channel, Shaping Your New Start. You can also watch the replay of this as well. Now, we also want to let you know that this here is sponsored by uh, Dr. Phil's book, myself. Six Ways to Shape Your New Start. It's the ebook. It's the ebook, everybody. So all you have to do is go to drphil2.com backslash ebook. Six Ways to Shape Your New Start, a guide for educators and students. We want our students to figure out. We want them to know how they can shape their new start. And uh, we're also sponsored by We Need More Clouds. We Need More Clouds. All right, all right, everybody, please welcome my guest from Georgia, Hila Monet. How you doing? Hi, good evening. Good evening. Happy to be here. Great. Now, now Hila is a principal. What school are you the principal at in, in Georgia? The Kendesi School West, which is a public charter school within the Atlanta Public School District um, here in the city. Awesome. Awesome. So you are in Hotlanta. I'm in Maryland right now. And okay. weather patterns are just a little different, you know, just a little different. And we have a special little scholar guest <laughs> in the place, in the place. Who we have? Who do we have here? This is my three-year-old Jagger. I am the epitome of a working mom. Um, and yes, he's on the struggle bus this evening. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I know it. Listen, my two-year-old loves to get on camera, loves to oh, say hello, yeah. you know. So, all right. Oh, what's his name again? Jagger. Dagger. Hey, what's up, man? Dagger. All right. Now you're being shy. You got you did all this to get on camera. <laughs> now you're getting camera shy. That's all right. <laughs> Shout out to all the working moms out there that are doing dual uh responsibilities. So yes. how does that work for you being a principal, uh, you know, and then daycare and, and all of that? How is that working out for you? Well, fortunately, um, I have an amazing village. So my mother is an educator and she was an educator in the school system. And when I had my older son, Jackson, who is seven, about to be eight, she decided, hey, I'm going to step away and I want to build my own program. Um, and she had been wanting to do it for for some time and never took the big leap. And so when I was pregnant with my older son and I told her, you know, having another baby. She was like, this is the sign for me to take that leap. And so she started a preschool program 
And it is truly phenomenal. Um, it has grown so much over the course of these seven years. Wow. Um, and my seven-year-old went through her program. And now Jagger's going through her program. But she has preschool scholars reading at ages three. They're identifying sight words at like two. I mean, truly working to set them up for success. So it definitely is a major support system. Um to have her, you know, and know that he's in good hands. But then also outside of that, I have an amazing village. My husband is definitely a super duper active dad. He's at cheer practice with our older daughter who does competitive cheerleading. So um, definitely having a great support system makes it all possible. And then having a great team at work. I'm very blessed to have a talented administrative team, as well as teaching staff who are doing all the things to make it happen. And that makes it doable for me on my end. That's right. That's right. Because, listen, you know, we're we're talking a lot about flexibility in the workplace. And and it's not just parents uh, who have children. It's also children who have parents. Yes. And, you know, those who are taking care of the elderly and, and things like that. And so in, in these days, in these times, it's important to understand the culture of yes. flexible work schedules and having that village is a powerful thing. Yeah. And understanding that the school plays a major part in being a family's village. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, listen, I thank you for just taking a, a, a time to talk with me. We're talking today about creating a, a uh, cultivating a positive uh, relationship between students, staff, parents. And of course, you're a parent. So now you have that understanding of what it means to go cultivate that positive relationship. And, um, you know, we, we see schools pass or fail based on just relationships. Yes. You know, yes. they fail, you know, based on what the relationship is like, you know, between all uh, of the scenarios. So tell us, how do we start with creating and cultivating a positive relationship? Yeah, it starts with being clear from the absolute beginning of the school year when you are welcoming in your new staff during new staff orientation every year is being super duper clear and having a vision around what you want that engagement to look like with families and what you want the engagement to look like colleague to colleague. I think that's very clear to start out the gate with a vision of what you want it to look like and a vision of how we're going to get there because not everybody that comes into your school community are transitioning from positive experiences and they come with a whole lot of um, understandings of what it means to be a part of the school community. And oftentimes that can be misaligned with what the culture is that you're trying to develop. So when you are clear from the jump around, hold on Jagger, when you are clear from the jump around what your vision is and the plan for getting there, that's always step one. Um, step two is to foster a sense of belonging and set the foundation for positive relationships. And within that, you have to be willing to have courageous conversations. Um, as leaders, we have to be willing to receive constructive criticism and understand that there's blind spots that we have as leaders 
And so it is important that we cultivate a culture of you can come to me and you can give me your feedback. You can let me know positive or negative, right or wrong, how your work experience is, because at the end of the day, we want to be supportive of all of our community members. And sometimes that means hearing when we're missing the mark and being willing to collaborate with that teacher or that family around, okay, how do we hit that mark? How do we work together to ensure that all of the efforts that we're pouring in are being received, whether that's leader to staff member or staff member or leader to family? Um, so those are, those are the two starting points, having that vision and then fostering that sense of belonging for mm -hmm. everyone to know that they have a place in the school community and that that place is valuable. Yeah. The third thing that I would say is, in addition to having that culture of cultivating a um, an environment and a culture where you can say the thing, you can provide that critical feedback with love and be willing to work towards finding a solution is making sure that you have checkpoints throughout the year to stop and reflect on the progress. So you're taking in feedback, you're, you know, you're, ish, you're doing surveys, focus groups, you're making sure that you're intentional about checking in with various staff members. And in my position, I don't check in with everybody. There's no way that I can. And so I have a team that helps me do that. But Having to be clear with them on when you check in with your staff, when you check in with your team, here are the things that I want to make sure that you are discussing with them and always starting from a place of connection. Before you do any other work, you have to check on each other. Yeah. Because, and especially post pandemic, it's vitally important that we do that consistently and intentionally. That's right. Yep. And so I find I have found that in conducting those checkpoints to see, you know, taking that feedback, see how we're doing those focus groups, those one on one conversations always present the most fruitful feedback because it's authentic. It feels organic. And they know that if I'm coming to you, if I approach you to say, hey, how's it going? What's your experience been like if I'm asking them specifically about a certain element of their experience? That can mean sometimes light years more than sending them a survey. Survey data is highly valuable, but we know that in some cultures, folks don't feel comfortable sharing their feedback. They feel like, why do I need to give this feedback? They're not going to do anything with it. So what I tell other leaders that I work with is that you have to value that. You have to prioritize that. And sometimes it does sting to hear and, and read the feedback that your staff has, especially when you know that you put forth all this effort to bring about a certain experience and then it doesn't happen. And that's okay. But the, 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 the point is, is that you internalize it, you action plan from it, and then you do your best to address the things that your community is telling you that you need to continue to work further on um, and listening. We have to listen as leaders, as stakeholders in partnership with our families, with leaders in partnership with their staff. We have to listen. So I guess that would make the fourth thing <laughs> in addition to, you know, having that vision, uh, creating that sense of belonging, having those checkpoints throughout the year for reflection. And the fourth thing I think is a part, a piece of all of that is listening. 
and listening with intention. Yes, yes, that's important because some people listen and then go totally opposite from what the people are suggesting or asking. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely see that. And that goes hand in hand with a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. If they feel listened to, they feel like they belong. They feel like Mm -hmm. their uh, opinion matters or their thoughts matter. And, you know, that's a very important part in creating a, especially with parents, Mm -hmm. especially with parents. How have you felt that has worked with parents? I mean, you become a partner with them, you know, to get their scholars moving in another direction but how do you now foster that uh, relationship and, and, of course, creating the vision and fostering that sense? But how have you felt it being a success with parents? Um, transparency. So, of course, you know, you do all the things as a leader. You, you have your vision. You, you know, you're working the plan. You're doing the thing. But also being transparent with parents when they miss the mark or when not, when they miss the mark, when you miss the mark, um, and saying, okay, this, we didn't, we didn't reach that. We didn't reach these goals or, you know, we didn't set out to hit all the targets that we set out to hit. However, a, let's celebrate the things that went well. Let's talk through the things that, um, did not go as well and let's work together to find solutions. Um, and that transparency, I have learned over the years, goes a long way. When a parent comes to me and shares a challenge that they've had, and it not, and it's not the experience that I would want them to have as a member of my community, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, I'm sorry that you experienced that. And that apology isn't to place blame on anybody, because often... A lot of times what I've learned is it's a simple misunderstanding or miscommunication. And once we sit down and we have that conversation and we as a school staff listen to the concerns of the parent, we're clear on our expectations. We're clear on what should have happened. We can map out a plan to make sure that next time it does happen. And just apologizing. Hey, I'm sorry you had that experience. How can we do this better? Or here's what should have happened. Or Mm -hmm. next time I will be sure to do that can break down those barriers very, very quickly. And I've also come to learn in my years of administration is that a lot of parents come to us as parents with negative experiences that they've had in school as kids. And so they automatically, you know, they can automatically think like they come to us with their defenses up because of things that they've experienced as a child coming up through school. And so, you know, they automatically think that our perspective may be something that it's not. And when you sit down and you have that conversation with them and it comes from a place of authenticity and it comes from a place of love and a willingness to truly collaborate with them, then it definitely works to strengthen relationships and break down that wall that could be separating the school from the family in terms of that collaboration. And I have I have had some of the most fruitful conversations coming from some of the most challenging circumstances. Um, But again, it's that willing to listen and to let the family know, hey, I'm not an expert on your child. You are. You're the parent. So I need you at the table with me to do this work of educating them because I can't do it all by myself. Mm 
And I think some of the missteps that I've seen in the past is the school approaching the parent as I know all the things. I'm an educator. I know all the things I know best. We know a lot and we know typically what's helpful for kids in, in classrooms, but we don't know it all. And mm -hmm. we don't know the outs of each student. So it's important that we partner with the families because together our expertise and their expertise can definitely work wonders when it comes to growing kids academically and socio-emotionally. That's powerful. That's powerful. And, and, you know, it's not something that you hear often. Like we know a lot, but yet we don't know it all because every child, you know, has a different experience. Has Absolutely. A different background and have a different way of learning. Has yep. a different way of learning. So we, we try to cultivate that. Yep. I had a meeting with um, a cohort of parents just this morning because this cohort had experienced a couple of staffing transitions. There were a couple of uh, classroom culture things that we needed to work out and massage out. And I had to bring the parents together to say, hey, let's come together and discuss what's going on. Because I don't want anything to get lost in translation. I want you to be fully informed of how we're supporting your students and making sure that they have quality education, consistent quality education, and they're learning in a, in a loving, healthy environment. And it was probably one of the best conversations I've had with parents this year. Because typically you would think that, okay, certain, a few things have happened here and there. Parents are going to come in with guns blazing. Nope. If anything, my parents were asking, okay, so how can we help? Okay, what did the teachers need? You know, it wasn't pointing blame at teachers or anything like, how can we help? What do they need? It is hard. And we want to make sure that they know that we love them and appreciate them. And I was so grateful for that to be their response because with nowadays and things that are happening and, and at my school, we have a truly inclusive environment. So we have a number of students with a wide variety of needs that are all coming together. And I, I shared with families in a principal's chat early this year that walking the walk of having an inclusive environment can sometimes feel kind of sticky and feel like, Oh, wait a minute, what's happening here. And, you know, and I said, so, but that's okay because we have a list of students that have grown tremendously and letting them know that the fruits of your labor may not bloom until two or three years after you've had this student or for that parent, two or three years after you've had this difficult school year. But that means that you're doing the right work and that your work and your support was not in vain. And so from that that conversation just this morning, it was a great example of like what it means to be in a, a committed community. And I talk about that a lot on social media, cultivating a committed community. And that's one in which every stakeholder is committed to love. Love has to come first above any and everything. Excellence, because we want to make sure that our kids are getting a high quality education and one of growth, because it's an ongoing process of growing and getting better and better each and every year. And so to this morning was a great example of what that means in practice because we're coming together, we're troubleshooting some challenges that we're having and we're walking away with clear solutions and even stronger collaboration. Powerful, powerful. Now, uh, you know, we're all about shaping your new start mm -hmm. podcast. And so what triggered in you a new start in culture? Like you saw something and said, wow, you know what? We really need to strengthen this. 
what what was that starting point for you? Oh, this was quite a few years ago. Um, it was my first year as assistant principal, and I was shadowing the principal at the time. And I had four. We had four crucial parent meetings um, this that week, and three of the students were black. One of the students were white. All four students had very similar challenges that we were mm. working in. And in the three meetings with the three black students, I, I observed conversations around um, needing behavior plans. Do we need an, do we need uh, to assess the student? Um, mentions of like misbehavior. Um, a lot of talking and conversation led from the school staff and not many opportunities for the families to speak. And then at the very end of the week, we had the meeting with the white family. Mm -hmm. Again, same challenges, like identical challenges. But that conversation was, well, maybe he's not being challenged enough. Mm. What do you think, mom? What are you seeing at home? And I'm having all of these moments because I'm a fly on the wall at all of these meetings. And I'm having this internal reaction because here I'm at a school where we pride ourselves on inclusivity. We, we pride ourselves on being these safe spaces for black kids. We pride ourselves on being like, not like the other schools, but here we are being like the other schools. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment where I'm like, mm -mm. I need to be super clear and super direct about what parent partnership and family engagement looks like at this school. And very soon after that experience, I was promoted to principal and I knew from there I had a lot of work to do to shift the narrative around what that family engagement looks like and what that true partnership and collaboration looks like. Because it just, even at a school where we are intentional about the experiences we want for our black students, we fell victim to the system. <laughs> and so um, that for me is kind of what set me on this trajectory of really identifying my leadership philosophy and really um, over the years being unapologetic about what my intentions are for our staff and school community collaboration to look like. And it can oftentimes feel uncomfortable for, for new folks to the community because it's like I, I haven't had to like truly partner yeah. before. But once they work through the, those initial moments of discomfort, they start to see and learn how beneficial that it can be when you lead from the heart and you lead from love. Wow. Wow. Powerful. And, and you realize sometimes what was going wrong creates that opportunity for what can go right. Absolutely. And, you know, you see that problem and building this positive culture now becomes the solution. Yep. And so once you have that purpose in mind and, and you have that solution in mind, all of a sudden you know what to start building towards. Yep. And, uh, you know, you start growing and learning from there. Yeah. And not giving up. 
that's the key because you're going to run into challenges. It's going to be so hard. There have been times where situations have moved me to tears. Like when that meeting is over or I turn off that Zoom, I have to just let it all out because it's like, oh my gosh, like at the end, we're we're all here for a common reason and that's the student. And sometimes it takes multiple conversations. Sometimes it even takes multiple school years for all parties to realize that we're here for this for the same reason. I had a parent tell me at one of our graduations one year, she and I had had a very uh, uh, push and pull type of relationship. You know, one of those where I got hung up on a couple times, mm-hmm. you know, sorry language used <laughs> with me. Mm-hmm. And I that year in my in my graduation speech to the, the kids and the families, I referenced some anecdotal stories about this mom student Mm -hmm. and amazing, beautiful student. I mean, he was awesome, always brought a smile to my face. And I was able to reference all of these moments that we had over the years. And for that mom to know that despite the hangups, despite the flowery language that she exchanged towards me, I still saw her student. I loved her student. I supported her student. And after the graduation, she found me at the reception and she's like, Principal Penn, I'm sorry. And she said, I love you. And I love you to death. And she hugged my neck and she got really emotional. And we ended up like the next year because her other two kids were at my school. We sat down and she shared with me like what that meant to her for me to speak about her son in, in that way despite the ways that she had been towards me. Um, And I could have very much so written her off and thrown my hands up because like, who wants to get hung up on who wants to get cussed out, you know, a few times here and there, but no, I wasn't going to do that because at the end of the day, I know that her passion was because she cared about her student. um, And she saw that through my perseverance, I had that same passion as well. So don't give up because it's hard, but don't give up. That's right. Staying positive. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Staying positive and don't quit. Don't quit. Wow. This has been a very powerful lesson in this podcast on creating. And, and I think this la- that last point right there, staying positive no matter what. And you're going to get that tension because if people are struggling to get to that same direction, uh, you're going to get through that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe that perseverance and staying positive in spite of what's happening, in spite of being cussed out and, you know, hung up on, that is a critical, critical part in Mm -hmm. sustaining a positive culture because you don't want to tear down the whole creating positive culture because of a negative experience. And so I think that's a lesson. Thank you. And and knowing that at the end of the day, people have different ways of communicating. People have different ways of emoting. And I, I do feel that it's it's our responsibility to meet our families where they are and work together to create a different narrative and to set a different norm. Right. So like being super clear, hey, I'm, I'm here to work with you until the cows come home. But let's refrain from this type of language. Let's make sure that we keep it positive. So definitely, I'm by no means saying let let parents just kind of talk off the wall. Right. Off the wall. No, but it's a piece of understanding, you know, where people are, meeting them where they are, and then working to help create 
and establish a different norm where all parties can feel safe and feel supportive to continue that collaboration. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you so much, Principal Penn, for being on this podcast and, and really adding some light to creating a positive culture, cultivating that positive culture. I think these lessons are crucial. And so we, we want this podcast to go far and reach all the educators out there. So thank you so much for taking the time out of motherhood as well. And, uh, you know, educator and my mother's been a principal for years. So I listen, I had to teach myself how to cook a few things just because, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Education has just always been a part of my life. And uh, well, thank you. You you have added so much. So right after this, stay, stand by. Um, thank you, everybody, for uh, watching. And as a matter of fact, well, let's tell everybody where they can follow you on Absolutely. Instagram. Yes, at Principal Bay. Um, Principal B-A-E um, on Instagram is where you can find me. I am also on the west side of Atlanta. Um, that is my heart and, uh, go Falcons. <laughs> right. And you do have a website. You do have a website. HMPenConsulting.com. Okay. So you do consulting. I do. Yep. I do. Okay. Hey, excellent. That is awesome. So HMPenConsulting.com. Here it is on the screen. So everybody, you can check her out. Go to her website. Follow her on Instagram. And she has powerful con content. So once again, thank you. Thank you to our viewers uh, who have stood by us and are watching this content. We'd love for you to share this content, subscribe, and also like the video. We want this to get out to as many people as possible. And once again, our uh, podcast is sponsored by Six Ways to Shape Your New Start, a guide for educators and students. Guess what? It's free, everybody. It is free. All you have to do is go to my website, drphil2.com backslash ebook. This is a free book for students, for teachers, and guess what? Even for parents, because we're talking about how to shape your new start. And uh, guess what? That new start begins today. So this is Shaping a New Start Education Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything education. Till the next time, continue to shape your new start. Oh, it's me, 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 o